Do you know that approximately one-fourth of the Bible is made up of prophecy? And many of these prophecies are for our day today and for the years just ahead of us. Further, based on its past record, you can have confidence that what it says is going to happen. Scores, if not hundreds, of very specific predictions have already come to pass. But there are far more to occur in the very near future. Today we're going to examine one of those predictions that you may very well live to see. And what I'm going to give you on this program can make the difference between understanding what is happening and being deceived by what is happening. The Bible predicts at the very end of the age that a powerful charismatic leader will rise up and deceive most of the world. He'll have power to bring fire down from heaven in some seemingly miraculous way. He will be viewed as a savior and as a holy man, but he will be anything but holy, and instead of salvation, he'll bring destruction. This man, known as the Antichrist, will work together with a powerful ruler in Europe known as the Beast. Together they will bring disaster on all who follow them and upon the world as a whole. In the end, only the return of the true Messiah, Jesus Christ, will stop mankind's self-destructive madness. Now one would think that the return of Christ to save mankind from self-annihilation would be welcomed. But this end-time false prophet will stir up the nations to fight against the true Messiah, the returning Jesus Christ. Will you recognize the Antichrist when he comes? Or will you be deceived by him? Most people will. So how can you recognize him? What signs should you look for? Do you know? Or will you be just another deceived person swept along by the crowd and caught up in the emotion of the moment? In short, will you recognize the Antichrist? Stay tuned. A warm welcome from those of us here at Tomorrow's World to all our viewers around the world. We're happy you could join us today. The Antichrist is coming, so says your Bible. Will you recognize him when he appears on the scene? And what are the consequences to those who fall for his deceptions? Do you realize that the very prediction of the Antichrist is a fulfillment of prophecy? Consider this. The Bible was complete by the end of the first century A.D. While Christianity was at that time growing in Europe and the Middle East, it was still a despised religion and persecuted by what was then considered mainstream authorities. And in many parts of the world, it was unheard of. It was far from what it has become today. Religions have come and religions have gone. But among its other predictions, the Bible tells us that a powerful religious leader will impact the entire world with his deceptions, and he would do so through a false form of Christianity. Let me put it another way. How can you have a false form of Christianity 
if you don't first have true Christianity. Not just in the first century, but some 2,000 years later. Much has been said about the Antichrist. Many professing Christians believe an Antichrist is coming, but do they really know what the Bible says about him? Do you? Now that's an important question and not one to take lightly. The term Antichrist in its singular and plural forms is found only in the writings of the Apostle John and only in four verses. Many professing Christians speak of the Antichrist who is to come at the end of the age. But John tells us that even in his day, many Antichrists had already come. He warned us in 1 John 2 and verse 18, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. The preposition anti means against or opposed to. Therefore, the term Antichrist, in its most basic sense, simply refers to one who is against or opposed to Christ. But Unger's Bible Dictionary points out that the term may also carry with it an additional meaning. The Greek preposition anti sometimes denotes substitution, taking the place of another, hence false Christ. Today we see that there are many people opposed to Christ, especially among those who profess a totally different religion than that found in the book known as the Bible. But this is not at all what John refers to. Scripture indicates the Antichrist will appear to represent Christ. Numerous scriptures tell us that this end-of-the-age charismatic religious leader will work powerful miracles to deceive the world. The Apostle Paul refers to him in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, after some of the members of the Church of God at Thessalonica had come to believe that Christ had already returned. To counter this, Paul reminds them of what he told them earlier, that two events must first occur. 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, and verses 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Paul goes on to explain that this lawless system from which the Antichrist comes was already at work in his day. But right before the return of Jesus Christ, a great false prophet would appear. Verses 7 and 8. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. It is easy to think, I won't be deceived. But remember that a deceived person doesn't know that he is deceived. And this individual is going to look very good to those who will be caught off guard. Yes, many people believe the Antichrist is coming. They warn others about him, but most of these people will be deceived into thinking he is the Savior of the world and will fight against the true Christ at his return. 
Now, you may wonder, how can this be? Well, Paul continues by explaining how the Antichrist will deceive mankind and what the source of his power is. Let's pick it up in verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Several other scriptures describe the Antichrist in similar terms. But here's an important point that many do not understand. The Bible shows that there will not be one, but two powerful leaders at the end of the age. One is known as the beast, and the other is known as the Antichrist. Too many people lump both into one person, but the Bible is very clear on this subject. The beast is both an individual and the kingdom over which he rules. He is a political or secular ruler. The Antichrist, on the other hand, is a religious leader. Now, it doesn't matter that both of them are competing for rulership of the world. They'll work together because each needs the other. Revelation, the 16th chapter, verses 13 and 14, speak of both men who the power is behind them and what they will do. In this passage, the Antichrist is called the false prophet. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, that's Satan the devil, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Revelation 13 refers to the kingdom of the beast and the system from which the false prophet rises. The first ten verses tell us about the beast kingdom. Then, beginning in verse 11, it describes a second beast. But it is evident from the description that it is a religious system patterned after the governmental structure of the beast. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. The lamb is symbolic of Jesus Christ, and the dragon is described in Revelation 12:9 as Satan the devil. Now let's continue with verses 13 and 14. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. The Bible uses a variety of descriptions for this individual and the system behind him. He's called the Antichrist, the lawless one, the man of sin, and the son of perdition. And his system is described as a beast with two horns like a lamb, but it speaks like a dragon. One common denominator in all these references is that he performs powerful miracles for the purpose of deceiving the world. And while the spirit of Antichrist goes back to the first century A.D., the main focus of these prophecies is on the end time. The seventh chapter of Daniel describes him as a short but stout horn. And it adds that there is a conflict between the Antichrist and the true servants of God. 
Daniel 7, verse 25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Here we find that he shall intend to change times and law. And this is a key to understanding the system from which the end-time Antichrist rises. Remember that Paul said that the mystery of lawlessness was already at work in his day. When we read the Bible, we find that God instituted a way of life for Israel. It involved laws, and some of these laws involved how we use our time. For example, in Genesis, the second chapter, verse 2 and verse 3, we read, And on the seventh day God ended His work which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it He rested from all His work which God had created and made. Jews have preserved the seven-day cycle down through the centuries, and Catholic and Protestant theologians readily admit that Saturday is the biblical Sabbath. But it is taught and commonly believed that we are to keep Sunday as the day of worship because it is the Lord's day. Sincere churchgoers accept this explanation without any biblical proof whatsoever. One passage that is used to say we don't have to keep the seventh-day Sabbath is found in Mark, the second chapter. Here we have the example of Jesus' disciples walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath and plucking some of the grain for a quick snack. When the Pharisees condemned them for it, Jesus defended their actions and said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. That's found in verse 27. But far from doing away with the Sabbath, Jesus actually endorsed it in the next verse when He declared, Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Now you can't be the Lord of something that doesn't exist. But in addition to confirming the existence of the Sabbath, this verse defines which day Jesus is the Lord of. The biblical Sabbath, the seventh day of the week. You can search from beginning to end and you won't find any scripture referring to Sunday or the first day of the week as the Lord's Day. It's just not there. The Antichrist system was already at work in Paul's day, but changing the law of God concerning the Sabbath day took time. As early as the middle of the second century, some were changing to Sunday worship, but it wouldn't be until help was received from a secular source that the transition could be fully enforced. The highly respected Erdman's Handbook to the History of Christianity explains the following. When in 321 Constantine made the first day of the week a holiday, he called it the Venerable Day of the Sun, Sunday. When the pagan symbols eventually disappeared, the unconquered sun was the last to go. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. Changing times, as Daniel 7.25 predicted, did not stop with the weekly day of rest. The entire array of biblical holy days has been tossed out and replaced by pagan holidays. 
For example, one of the greatest religious debates of the second century was known as the Quartadeciman Controversy. Those who followed the Apostles of Christ continued to observe the New Testament Passover on the 14th, that is the Quartadeciman day of the first month of the Jewish calendar. But others chose to observe a pagan festival and follow a different set of leaders. Note this amazing admission from the well-known 4th century historian Eusebius. For neither could Anicetus persuade Polycarp not to observe it, that is the Passover, because he had always observed it with John the disciple of our Lord and the rest of the apostles with whom he associated. Even Eusebius, who is clearly an ally of Rome, freely admits the source of Polycarp's practice was the apostles of Christ. So one has to wonder who it was that the Bishop of Rome was following. The biblical holy days and festivals were kept by Jesus and His apostles. These include Passover, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, Unleavened Bread, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 8, Pentecost, Acts the second chapter, the Feast of Trumpets, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 15 to 17, the Day of Atonement, Acts 27, verse 9, the Feast of Tabernacles, John 7, the first 10 verses, the Last Great Day, John 7, verses 37 to 39. Now let us look at a list of days observed that are nowhere to be found in the Scriptures. Christmas, Easter, Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, Halloween, Feast of All Saints, and Valentine's Day. The word Easter is found only once in one translation, but it is clearly a mistranslation. All modern translations have corrected it to read Passover. Of course, when I grew up, I thought most of these common holidays came from the Bible. After all, Christ was born on some day of the year, but why is it then that we never read of the apostles celebrating His birth? What is the origin of this most popular holiday? Quoting from Erdman's, The Christian church took over many pagan ideas and images. From sun worship, for example, came the celebration of Christ's birth on the 25th of December, the birthday of the sun. Saturnalia, the Roman winter festival of 17 to 21 of December, provided the merriment, gift-giving, and candles typical of later Christmas holidays. The spirit of Antichrist began very early in the history of Christianity. It's a lawless spirit, not because it is without law, but because, as we are told in Daniel 7.25, he shall intend to change times and law. Antichrists reject God's law and substitute man-made traditions. The effect is a morally bankrupt religion that focuses on ritual, sentimentality, and subjective feelings. Many theologians argue that the law of God is too difficult for us to keep, and all we need to do is accept Christ and love one another. In certain respects, they are correct. We cannot of ourselves keep the law. But what they fail to understand is that when we receive the Holy Spirit, following baptism and the laying on of hands by the ministry, Jesus Christ and God the Father dwell in the person, and Christ in us can keep the law. 
This, of course, depends on our submission to the will of God. But this is denied by the spirit of Antichrist. As it tells us in 2 John, the first chapter, and verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. The tense of the verb coming in the original Greek is in the present continuous tense, meaning that it is not describing a past event, but a continuous event. Or to put it plainly, they deny that Christ is living His life in us. They deny this by saying we cannot keep God's law. In his thesis titled, Who or What is the Antichrist? Dr. Roderick C. Meredith sums it up this way. The doctrine of Antichrist, then, is that Christ does not literally live His life within His people today. It is the false teaching that Christians today can live a different kind of life from what Jesus lived and still be His true followers. It often includes the idea that Christ was righteous in our stead, and therefore we do not have to be. We just accept Him and His righteousness is imputed to us. Effectively, God kids Himself and pretends that we are really righteous when we actually are not. So what about you? Will you be deceived when the prophesied Antichrist appears on the world stage? Have you already been deceived into following the doctrine of the false prophet? How can you know for sure? The best indicator of future behavior is current behavior. Or to put it another way, what you do today is likely what you will do tomorrow. If you practice the lawless doctrines of Antichrist today, you will most likely follow the man when he comes. His doctrines will seem normal. Then when you add the miracles this charismatic figure performs, even nominal Christians or even atheists will get caught up in the emotion of the day. So how are you living today? What choices do you make on a daily basis concerning the teachings of Christ? Are you obeying Him, or are you following the crowd down the wrong path, the Antichrist path? Jesus condemned those who use His name but oppose His teachings and instructions. He asked the following question, Luke the 6th chapter and verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? In Matthew 7, beginning in verse 21, He corrects those who call Him Lord, meaning Master, but who don't follow His instructions. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus chided the Pharisees and scribes for substituting their man-made traditions for the commandments of God. He then made it abundantly clear that it is possible to worship Him in vain. In Mark the seventh chapter, and in verses six and seven, it says, He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines 
the commandments of men. Have you ever considered that you may be worshiping Christ in vain? Today many people profess to be Christians, but they fail to follow the teachings of the very one whose name they claim. And many professing Christians following the spirit of Antichrist are adamantly opposed to his teachings, believing and teaching others that the law of God has been done away. But what did Jesus say? When a young man asked him what good thing could he do that he might have eternal life, he responded in Matthew 19, 17, but if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And if that is not plain enough, how about this quote from what is called the Sermon on the Mount, the very heart and core of Jesus' message. Jesus declared in Matthew 5, beginning in verse 17, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Conformity to the doctrines of the Antichrist is the easy way today. And it will become the popular way when that false prophet begins to perform his deceptive miracles. But this will all come to an end when the true Jesus Christ of the Bible returns. And those who reject the doctrines of Antichrist will then rule with Christ on this earth to bring it peace, prosperity, and harmony. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the doctrines of the Antichrist and how to avoid following him, please go to our website where you can read or download our informative booklet, Satan's Counterfeit Christianity. And be sure to come back again at this same time and station to learn more about the Bible and what God expects of you. See you next time. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. The preceding program has been produced by the Living Church of God.